0: You must be listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network at GBN.com.com. Amazing! Follow the Path, the Bears Grove Podcast. Adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at BearsGrove.com. Welcome to the Bears Grove Podcast. This is Sam, your host. For the next 30 minutes or so, we'll be talking about role-playing as a storytelling art. and I'm very happy to have you here. Running time is 37 minutes, 40 seconds. And today on the program, we have a section on timing, timing, pacing, uh, timing, that sort of thing, you know, keeping things on track and in the game designers workshop today, we will talk about magic systems for Lyrica, the game we've been designing, but first some news and notes. First thing I wanted to tell you about is this thing called Heart of the Hunter, which I've been doing. Heart of the Hunter is a serialized swords and sorcery style uh, tale that I'm doing um, set in this uh, magical fantasy world that I have been working on since I was 10. And it's got a lot of detail, a lot of layers of texture, um, a lot of history involved. I... um, I can really sort of see and visualize what's going on. And I'm hoping I'm going to be able to convey that to you in the story. The story is about a group of people who have been hired to open up a northern road. um, And that seems like a fairly prosaic kind of uh, basis for a story. But believe me, it just gets worse from there. uh, As far as uh, the complications and the drama and conflict that happens as a result of just hired, being hired to uh, take this one particular little caravan up from Blackpool, uh, the central city in the, uh, in the south, to uh, Irontown, which is on the border of the ice wastes in the, in the north. And uh, I've really been enjoying putting this together. It has really brought me out of my rider's block, which I had a real problem with for some time now. So it's kind of a miracle, really, that I'm able to write as much as I have. And having said that, I am still I am looking for feedback on the story. If you're interested um, in giving me some feedback, if you, if you think it might be too harsh to put out in public, you can go ahead and email me separately. But ultimately, I'm interested in what you think about the story, and if you want to go over to the Bears Grove Bardic Circle and listen to it, I would be really grateful to hear what you thought. You know, if you liked it, uh, let me know what you liked about it. If you didn't like it, let me know that, too. Um, Because I am sort of writing it by the seat of my pants, as it were, and I'm podcasting uh, podcasting, uh, the chapter I wrote last week, I'm sort of one chapter ahead, so basically... uh, It's kind of intriguing to be able to see how the story is unfolding. I've got an outline, but I don't really have the finished novel in hand like other people have. Um, At the same time, it is working towards something. I don't want you to think that I'm just going to be stringing you along. Uh, Although it can seem that way, because there are some uh, cliffhangers already. But I try not to cliffhanger cliffhanger you in an, in a situation where, you know, later on I kind of weasel out of it. So, at any rate, take a look at take a listen to that. I, I like to describe it as a combination between the uh, Stephen Brust uh, Jarig books and Thieves' World, uh, the the old collection from Robert Asprin that, that used to come out all the time, and uh, Firefly. Um, to a certain extent, because the, these people are just mercenaries. They want to get paid. They're not like, you know, princes and wizards of great power. They're everyday folk who basically just want to get paid and get through life. Um, so having said that, I've also become attached to a project called fledgling and fledgling is a novel written by Sharon Lee and Steve Miller now, you may not know that name. Um, and if you haven't, I really envy you because they have a uh, a huge back catalog of really wonderful stories in novel form that you can now get from Ban Books. com, B-A-E-N. Um, what can be said, I am a huge fan of Sharon and Steve, and when they asked me to podcast there... Novel, uh, fledgling, um, as it comes out, uh, I have, I was just blown away. So I've been podcasting that, um, the novels being released in a very special way. It's sort of being re- released by the old ransom model by a ransom model where they basically say, okay, we will release these chapters at this time. If we are given donations ...to match these levels. So basically they're saying, look, you know, we want to have... ...we will release these chapters, but we need to be paid for them first. And I'm just blown away at the response. There's been a lot of people putting money down to listen to this... or ...to, I mean, to, to read these uh, chapters. And they are coming out as a written thing as well as a podcast. So if you don't want to listen to my podcast which would be okay but i would my feelings would be hurt um well maybe not too much but still if you don't want to listen to the podcast you can still read it at, at their website and i'm really enjoying doing the podcast and you know it's, it's really helping my reading skills coming up my um you know uh, oral interpretation skills so that's been fun um and just brief mention of the square one podcast, which is out. The first one is out and we're coming up with a second one. We're obviously taking a little bit of time with these one, because most of the people involved have a lot of other projects, but two, because we really want them to be good and high quality. And, uh, we are not doing them as a sort of throwaway podcast. We're really sort of making this as a resource because what we want to do eventually is have, all of the square one podcasts of the first season to be like put together in one patio book. So uh, anyway, me and uh, Bill Walton of the escapist.com and Cynthia Armistead, my partner and Miranda from the signal podcast have all sort of been working on this from time to time. And it's been a lot of fun. Up on the Harping Monkey site, I have to talk about this a bit. I've been really blown away by the Spirit of the Century podcasts on the Roll Monkey feed. Now, um, Spirit of the Century is a pulp-style game based on Fudge. Awesome game. So far, the listening to the actual play recordings of Spirit of the Century has been just a total blast. Uh, there's Mick from the Harping Monkey and Clay and Ma- uh Clay and Max who I've never met before but I've, apparently they they've been they're friends with uh they're friends with them obviously uh and then there's Chris Heim and Mark Kinney from All Games Considered so um and they have a lot of interesting characters and I'm really interested in in what's going on with that and uh I have the last episode in my iPod well not my iPod but you know I have the last episode in my MP3 player ready to go, and I really can't wait to listen to it. Um, but I'm resisting so I can do this podcast because I don't want to be distracted. At any rate, uh, they are—they're having a lot of fun, and I'm having fun listening to them. And what—what what could be better, right? I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts. Of course, I listen to uh, the podcasts I listen to. You can. Find them on the Bears Grove homepage. If you go to bearsgrove.com and look down the right hand side, you'll see all the podcasts that I listen to. And uh, starting out with my A-plus podcasts, which are the ones that are are like my number one favorites. And going down to other podcasts, which are still, I like them. Um, So go ahead and take a look at that sometime. So next up we have the GM's Corner Hi, and on the GM's Corner today, we're going to be talking about time. (sighs) Excuse me. On the GM's Corner today, we're going to talk about time. I'm sorry. On the GM's Corner today, we're talking about timing. 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 Pacing. That sort of thing. Sorry, I won't do that anymore. I know that's annoying, but I had a lot of fun doing it. At any rate, uh, timing. Here we are. Uh, What is timing? Well, timing and pacing is really important in in a game. When you're running games for the first time... One of the things that people might say about your style is that you need to work on your timing, pacing, moving forward in the story. Um, one of the hardest things to do in this day and age is to keep people's attention. That is because, to a certain extent, uh, we are, we've become sort of led to the pace of the quick cut uh, sort of music video world. And it's become more and more difficult to get people to sit down and listen for a period of time. Now, you may say, well, gosh, Sam, I'm sitting here listening to you. But you notice I don't spend too much time on, to- on, on any one topic. And if I were to go into huge detail about every topic, I think you might turn me off. So moving on with timing... Um. What I can say to you is that good timing is a function of understanding what the needs are of the story and of the players who are involved with the story. Now, there are some times when you have to get certain narrative elements out in the story, and it has to take as long as it takes. And this can be very hard for a lot of people, but um, slowing down long enough to allow a very emotional scene to generate or to allow the impact of something to be felt, um, or to build sort of a slow excitement or slow sense of foreboding or doom. It takes, uh, guts really to hold on to the scene and to sort of make it go through its paces. Um, At the same time, moving uh, the plot along and moving the story along quickly, when you feel the energy is sort of starting to die, is also important. And uh, it's a balancing act. You can really get over-focused on pacing, which is why I hesitated to bring it up until now because you shouldn't be sitting there second guessing your own pacing all the time, because if that's the case, you're going to get distracted just doing that. But look back, maybe do an actual play recording of your game and listen to it and think about, okay, so how is this game going? You know, how is it moving along as fast as I'd want it? If what could I do to make it move faster or slower? Um, there's a couple of different narrative uh examples I want to give you so that you can sort of use these pull these out of your toolbox when it's time to change the pacing. Number one is uh to to make a game go faster, you can actually take over and do cutscenes. Create you know, say a fade to black and say all right, so Uh, For a moment, I want to do this cutscene. Here's what happens when you left these people alone. They start to talk, and one of them says blah, 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 um, and so forth. And, and, And it can build some dramatic tension at the same time. It moves the story forward. Let's say someone is flying into a rage and wants to go kill somebody else. And you're not ready for that to happen. You really know that the story is that the person needs to know something before they go and blow somebody up. Well, you need to uh, engage them in a conversation. You know, have them you can always slow the pace of the story down by putting narrative blocks into the story. For example, they try to hail a cab and discover that there's no cabs in sight. They uh, are driving on a on an open road, and they run into a traffic jam. You know, these are, uh, yeah, they, they might be dirty tricks uh, in the overall scheme of things. You may be thinking, wow, that's kind of railroading, Sam. What's the deal? But it's important sometimes to slow the pace of the story down and also sometimes to speed the story up. If you are in a situation where you are yourself getting bored, that is a big sign. Another sign is people start to get distracted and wander off or pick up a book and start reading or they fall asleep or they re- start, start uh, stacking their dice. Um, that's a sign that you probably need to move the story along. Even though you'd like to dwell on the story a little longer, sometimes it's important to keep moving. Another way of pacing yourself inside of a game is to create a special track where you are sitting there, and you have like a token, and you have maybe a ruler or a, a piece of paper that you've created just for this purpose, and you just move the token along. Every time you get something happens to get closer to a goal. I did this one time with a group of players um, who I think it was my a mage game, where there was this thing that was building up in the world and it's going to explode. And when it explodes, it it probably will take the entire like Island of Manhattan with it. So I set that up as a plot device. And then I put this token on a, on a track in front of me that I created out of a piece of paper. And every so often during the course of the game, as when things slowed down, when the pace slowed I would just simply make the pace pick up by moving wordlessly, moving this token along the track towards the destruction of the city, and that refocused the game back into, oh my God, we have this bomb going off. We've got to deal with this. Um, So that was that's one way of doing it. I mean, it was it was a wordless symbol of okay, this is the fact that. You know, this game is going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you guys can have a positive effect on the end if you like. But if nothing else, if you continue to sit and just do nothing, it's going to explode. And, and I'm not, you know, threatening. I'm not demanding. I'm just saying this is what is going to happen. So that is my example of pacing for you. Pay attention to your pacing. Um, use tools like cutscenes, fade to black, um, uh, narrative blocks, and nonverbal cues to move the story along. In the most part though, is the important thing is to talk to your players and and say, "Well, what do you think we should do from here? How do we you know we need to move this thing along?" How can we do that? How can we get out of this rut? And it may be that they just need some information that they didn't have, and they're trying to find that they think they must have, and and maybe there's just not enough communication going on. It may be that they didn't realize things were slow, or maybe they like it that way. Um, it's totally up to you to sort of regulate that, and it's it's something that the entire group kind of chooses as a whole. But that doesn't mean that people would like to have it differently. So... Be mindful of it and work, if you can, on means of you know perfecting in your own craft, means of moving the story forward and of going deeper into the story, thereby slowing it down when the story demands it. Next up, we have the Game Designer's Workbench. Back to the game designer's workbench. Um, gosh, it's been a while. Let me explain a little bit about what's going on with Lyrica. Although I have a URL for Lyrica now, I lost the wiki that, I had been writing Lyrica on just went boom, um, vanished. So I am having to sort of recreate the, the game and, uh, Luckily, I have uh, this podcast because I've been going back and listening to all the old podcast episodes where I talk about Lyrica to try and uh, get that information back. And this is really the only way I can do it. So it's it's been intriguing to sort of go back and listen to my own words and recreate what I have created based on them. Um, But today we are going going forward in the story, going forward in game design with Lyrica and today we are talking about the magic system now uh magic systems in a fantasy game are extremely important as you well know um and in Lyrica it is you know one of the most important areas because of course Lyrica builds itself as the game of the magical country and uh the magical country is the name of my campaign world and I, and so magic is, uh, kind of important. In fact, there is a magic attribute, a magic innate trait as it were. And this contributes to a magic potential, which is your overall number. When you're comparing your magical ability to someone else's, um, Magic has two sources, both your innate magical talent, which is based on your attributes and your learned magical skill, which is based on your aspects. Now, um, there are three types of magic in Lyrica. Theurgic magic, which is based on interaction with an outside power such as a god or a spirit or an elemental force. Uh, In the story Heart of the Hunter, Alabar, the shepherd, uh, has the ability to summon and manipulate the light in order to heal. That is a kind of theurgic magic. Alabar's character would include an aspect initiate of theurgic magic, a Lorian church of the light. Alabar was chosen by the light to be its servant, but... He was initiated into the theurgic tradition of the Aelorean church, which is what serves to allow him to have his power. Um, Then there's Eldritch magic. Eldritch magic is based on drawing on some innate power of your blood. Uh, In Heart of the Hunter, Aran, the Wunjo minstrel, is able to draw upon the power of his gypsy blood to focus the sight. That is an Eldritch magic because it, it is an innate to him. He didn't learn how to use the sight. He just sort of one day realized he had it and began to use it. Um, now, Erudite magic is the third type of magic and it's based on knowledge you possess or have learned through study. In the Ravenflight campaign, Soclair has spent many long hours studying demonic lore and techniques at dealing with demons. As a result, she has attained an aspect of both Initiate and Master of Erudite Magic Demonology. It is possible to combine magical types. For example, if Arn wanted to, he could parlay his Eldritch Magic and learn the Erudite Magic of Scrying. Or, he could use his Gypsy Blood and learn the Gypsy Spirit ways through the use of a Theurgic Magic aspect, if he had a teacher for that. Most magical aspects are discovered during a, a natal aspect period, but it's perfectly reasonable for even an eldritch magic aspect to be discovered or activated later in life, especially for a heroic sort of character. Of course, it almost goes without saying, that these magical aspects must be chosen as a result of some kind of explainable event in the story. So it's not something you just... Decide to put on your character sheet one day, and there you have it. You have to kind of have an in-game character event to happen to discover, to explain, why you are taking that specific kind of magic aspect. Each type of magic has its own rhythm and style in the game, and this must be developed as the character develops. In general, Eldritch Magic responds more quickly and more intuitively but does not have the versatility of erudite magic or the reserves of theurgic magic. Although with preparation in game, any magic can be useful on short notice and all magic can enjoy extra benefits from taking more time and involving ritualistic elements. Nearly every character in Lyrica will have at least one magic trait due to the fact that the world that they live in is the magical country. But what is this magic trait used for? Well, enchanted items frequently require that their users activate them by addressing them with the force of their personality. The short slang term for this in trade is called futzing. People futz items in order to activate them and use them. If for some reason you have no magic trade at all, you cannot futz, and that puts you at a disadvantage when using enchanted objects. Some of you who play Dungeons & Dragons may be interested in how you might play some of your favorite magic users in the Lyrica system. Well, putting it simply, bards and sorcerers use eldritch magic, shamans, priests, and druids would use theurgic magic, and wizards would use erudite magic. There are, however, a number of other kinds of magic workers in the Koronai setting that don't fit any traditional D&D character class, and the Lyrica character generation system tends to focus more on character development and background than it does on specific character classes. Next time, we'll speak about the magic aspects again and how characters can use the aspects to create magical effects. Good evening, Jeffrey.
1: What glories are you perpetrating at your table lately? Well, Judd, we are playing Burning Wheel at my table. And my players and I are having an absolutely wonderful time creating a game world together. I'm so glad that Luke Crane's Burning Wheel is doing well for you. And how are things at your table, Judd? Jeffrey, I'm glad you asked. Because me and my innovative friends are playing Dungeons & Dragons. However... Oh, quite interesting. Do tell, do tell. Rather than roll a d20, When combat presents itself, we are resolving combat through interpretive dance. My goodness, that's brilliant! Yes, when I take out my black leotard, the orcs quiver in fear. You should go onto rpg.net and post about this. People will flock to our podcast. No doubt, they will flock to... The the Sons Sons of of Kryos!
0: feedback I've been uh, pleased that you guys have stuck around during my long uh, retreat as it were and I wanted to at least read one email that I got um, during the interim that is from Wayne Braden I think or Braden Wayne is writes for me his name on the forums is Dracox. Uh, he writes to me, uh, on January 4th. So I'll go ahead and read it. Hi, Sam. J- I just wanted to drop you a line and let you know that I like your podcast and I am trying to get caught up on the shows as we speak. I think the only shows on iTunes are 21 through 28. So I hope to pick the rest up on your website. Uh, just a brief response to that. Yeah. Uh, iTunes sort of does its own thing. And really, if you want the full glory that is the bear's grove. You have to come to the website and just, and maybe page back through. However, I've got to say the early recordings of the bear's grove are not as good as the later ones. However, I've had a lot of people say that, you know, some of them are their favorite. So uh, I appreciate you taking the time to go onto my website and download old episodes. I first heard you, I'm going back to the letter now. I first heard you when I was starting to listen to the second season of The Harping Monkey, and you did a spot on there about ethos and mythos. I thought it was a really cool show. I listened to the raw, unedited version. You sound like the kind of GM I would love to game with. I usually GM slash DM for my group, and I try to get into their heads and question their morals and ethics, and to touch a place in the players that usually doesn't get brought up in a standard role-playing game. For instance, the group had a PC die in my Eberron campaign. Raising the dead is seen as a spite to the gods and not done, but an evil cult, the Blood of Val, believes in raising the dead and venerates liches and the undead. The group was told that they could get their fallen companion raised, but there would be more than a monetary cost. The NPC arranged a meeting, but the group's Silver Flame priest couldn't attend and everything had to be done in secret with no questions asked. The PCs rejected the offer and decided to leave their companion's ghost in the ether. What the group didn't know and have to deal with was that the NPC the group was dealing with arranged a meeting with a high-level BOV priest who would have raised her from the dead for a fee and an oath to keep his presence secret. This would have been an ethical problem for the group to deal with. They they didn't have to in the end, but it gets to questioning what the PCs and players believe in. What is so wrong with the BOV if their goal is to overcome death and not allow the stealing of souls, but the true gods of death? Those just happen to be the good gods. How far would you go to save a friend or family member? Would you risk a deal with the devil? Those are things I like to challenge my players with, but most of the time they want combat and loot, I'm trying to break them of that, but it's almost been 20 years now and I think they're starting to come around a bit. Anyway, sorry for the long email, but once again I've enjoyed what I've heard on your podcast. I've subscribed to it now and look forward to hearing more in the future. I also need to see how your Lyrica game is coming. It sounds interesting and something I might try with my players. Take care, Wayne, Drake Hawks. Well, thank you for writing, Wayne. I really appreciate the nice things you said about the podcast. Um, I'm always interested in hearing how other people play and, uh, it sounds like you have some intrigue going on in that game and that, that is really a valuable thing. Um, I really do appreciate, uh, hearing from you and if you would like to write me, if you, the listener would like to write me, uh, about anything really, or about any topic we've covered in the bear's grove please feel free to do so. My email address is bearsgrove at gmail.com. You can also, if you have a fancy uh, microphone recording unit on your uh, computer, you can record a, a message to me and upload it uh, either in wave format or MP3 format, and I will be glad to download it and play it on the show. Uh, used to be that I had an audio and I would ask people to send me audios, but... That's kind of gone by the wayside, and I haven't found a replacement just yet. Well, it looks like you've come to the end of another Bears Grove podcast. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing to me that I've actually gotten close to my goal of 30 minutes. Once again, the Bears Grove is brought to you by the Fireheart Foundry family of podcasts. Fireheart Foundry does podcasts for a lot of people, including Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. The Fledgling Podcast, Uh, myself, uh, Sam Chupp, with Bears Grove, the Bears Grove Bardic Circle, the Dragonkin Podcast, which is for kids and gaming, and the Square One Podcast with Bill Walton of TheEscapist.com, and the Fireheart Foundry also does Fibrant Living, which is my partner Cynthia's podcast. If you're interested in having us do a podcast for you, give us a call. Write us a letter, send us a sign, do something, and we will be glad to get with you and talk about what we can do. The Bears Grove is releasing you under a Creative Commons license 2.5. No derivatives, no commercial use. Music from the podcast today has been from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. The song is Baja Taxi by Brain Bucket. Until next time, have sweet dreams when you get them.